Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. Where to hunt Where podcast. To hunt, yes, yes, it's, yes, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Hi, I'm Dan Small, host of Outdoor Wisconsin, and I listen to Where to Hunt. Man, it's okay. I'm Kurt Geyer with Working Class Bow Hunter. I listen to Where to Hunt podcast, and it's decent. It's all right. Hey, this is Bud Fisher with Catching Deers, and I think the Where to Hunt podcast is all right. It's got a little smokiness to it. Smooth. You poured a shit ton in there. You guzzle it like it's water anyway. That's true. You trying to get me drunk over here? You wanted to celebrate. Here you go. <laughs> That's all right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Learn to Hunt Podcast, the podcast that connects public land hunting enthusiasts, a.k.a. the OKS Podcast in the Midwest, coming at you from the OKS Hunter Podcast Studio. You can go over to OKSHunter.com and use code W2HPODCAST for a whopping 10% off. Make sure you uh, get yourself something real nice. Father's Day is coming up. We'll be rolling out a discount for Father's Day. Site-wide, if you're part of the OKS Hunter crew, you're going to get a bigger discount because, you know, the founding crew members of the OKS Hunter Army. That's going to help end deer shaming. Shout out to Drop Time Spirits. We're taking a break from those guys tonight to celebrate. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but we're drinking some Johnny Walker Gold Label tonight, and it is good. It's real good. It's nice. Uh-huh. We were just talking about Backwoods Grind Offline. Uh, I'll be trying their Sunrise Roast, and Greg's going to switch up to the Pinotti. Pinotti. Damn it. Can I get anything right in my life? You'll figure it out one right. of these days. Pinotti roast. Yeah, I'm like really liking the lighter blends of coffee. Dark stuff. We were just talking about the the Death Wish. I feel like I should try it, but I don't know. It sounds like I'm not going to like it, even though I'm a caffeine junkie. Yeah, I don't know. It's got to taste good along with having the other after effects. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, head on over to backwoodsgrind.com, enter in code WTH. Podcast for ten percent off, and then huge call out. We just had Bill with Spartan Forge, Spartan Forge on last week. Uh, head on over to SpartanForge.ai. Use code W2H for twenty percent off. Uh, they're our technology sponsor. They're bringing you this live feed, all the stuff that's in this studio that makes this happen. That's from those guys. So our call in number, you can call into the show anytime. Shoot the breeze with us. Share a story. Ask questions. Two six two seven five seven forty one twenty two. Every Tuesday from six to seven p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, or you can also video chat us. Uh, we haven't been releasing that link to the public. I think we just had some really deep conversations with guests. So uh, if we get an opening for that, we'll drop it in the chat. And you guys can pop in video if you'd like. That's not for comfortable. Tim's what you're doing. Someone, I'm surprised someone hasn't called us from the from the shitter yet. Yeah, I mean, pan, no pants on. Right, just, who's up, guys? Yeah. <laughs> I would do it. Maybe. My wife would kill me. She would kill me. So, okay, well... Announcement to make officially as of today it was announced, uh, but I learned about it last week, so I've been holding it in, which is really hard for me to do. I told some people that are close to me, but 
for those of you that follow the the show and you've been you know listening for a long time, you know we also have an app, the Where to Hunt GPS hunting app that helps you identify occupied unoccupied hunting land. Uh, I attended a incubator last January of 2020, from January to March, and uh, through that program, I applied for a grant for Where to Hunt for the app, and. Uh, from then till now, we also have a chief technology officer, Joe, who helps with the app. Um, and we secured a $10,000 grant from the MKE Tech Hub Coalition. So everything that we're building, we're just going to be able to do a little bit faster, a little bit with a little more polish. And hopefully we'll be able to get this thing done by the season. So uh, expect a rebrand of the app, uh, some new features, some pizzazz and polish and some partnerships and all sorts of fun stuff so stay tuned it's a big deal so that's why we're drinking some johnny walker gold I'll cheer, cheers, cheers to that, that. big freaking deal for us so anywho i don't know what else is new with you nothing man bullshit you went fishing yesterday that was not fishing that was a walk down to the pier with a crazy dog that wanted to go swimming uh, yes i did bring a fishing pole uh-huh but that's not a a fishing trip okay it's just not well, when is your when your boat parts come in? Hopefully tomorrow. Right? And then you got to tinker with it a little bit, make sure it's all gonna. No, it's not a tinker. It's a, I got to tear the lower unit out and replace the whole water pump. So it's an impeller and a bunch of gaskets and things. It's not hard to do. Just okay. takes time. Okay. Put some new uh, gear lube in it, and then the uh, two-stroke oil injection tank has a sensor that went bad in it. It's actually a float that fell apart inside there, and the only way to repair it is to buy a new tank. Repairing the tank is like a game of operation. You're probably not going to win without creating problems. So, new tank, new uh, new impeller, water pump, rebuild. We'll be all in good shape again. So we'll get this this pig on the water here. Get it in on the water next couple of weeks or yeah, something. Go hopefully by this weekend, and then go chase some salmon. Go chase some bluegills, some walleyes. We got fish to catch. You know, I've never really had any success fishing for catching walleyes. Bluegills, plenty. Yeah. Uh, salmon, because of you, uh, for sure. Yeah. Well, there'll uh, be more of that coming. So, walleye, man, I would love to get on some walleye. But. Yeah. That's kind of like Northwoods, June is definitely the time to go. Um, May is even good. You know, opening weekend, mm-hmm. Northwoods Lakes, it seems to be hot. All the, uh, the flowages are starting to heat up pretty good with the increase in temperature. So, you're going to see more and more walleyes get caught, and then once we get into that July and August, the hot stuff, then it's they go nice. deep. And yeah, they go deep, and they're fun to catch on slip bobbers. You know, mm-hmm. dragging leeches off slip bobbers over the humps in the deep water. It's it's fun to catch them, especially at night. You're going out, going out there with lighted slip bobbers. That's that's yeah, a blast. That's yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, anyway. We got a guest with us. Yeah, we should bring him on. Let's bring him on. All right. Well, welcome to the show, the OKS podcast in the Midwest. Of course, we have a technical problem to kick things off, which is very common around here. Now that stuff will make it to the podcast right. itself, so we're we're free and clear. Uh, we worked out the kinks uh, in front of everybody live. <laughs> That's what we do. But dude, tell everybody uh, that you know, didn't listen in a year ago where you're from and you know what you hunt, and then we'll we'll go a little bit deeper from there. Yeah, um, been listening. Yeah. Like, last year I started when you guys had me on the show. Um, I'm from Pennsylvania. I basically hunt turkey, whitetails, and black bears. So, you know, basically do all that and a bunch of fishing, too, on the off season. Cool. 
So you're kind of a an avid woodsman, huntsman. What would you call that? Outdoorsman. Outdoorsman. Mm-hmm. Kind of like yeah, kind of like yeah, huntsman. You can say that. Can we call you a huntsman? Is that I mean, like a is that, does that term mean something somewhere already? Now you're starting to sound okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're one hell of a cook too. We got we got some ground to cover here. We're going to go down a bunch of rabbit holes uh, today, everybody. So. Um, you know, we, we had you on last year and, and you talked a lot about some of the cooking stuff that you've been doing and just your hunting in general, but you got, uh, let's start with the whitetail. You got yourself a real nice buck last season. You cool with kind of sharing that story and how that all kind of went down? Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's hear it, man. Uh, so yeah, that was the, uh, biggest buck I've actually ever shot. And ironically, I was chasing that buck for three years. Um, so that buck was i'm sitting in my property now the farm that i shot him on is directly across the street and so basically the buck was going back and forth back and forth and he was nocturnal um so last year um me and you know three of my buddies kind of basically put a lot of time and a lot of money into the big farm you know because you know we wanted it to produce um so story short during the rut um, got up in the tree stand at 11 o'clock and you guys all know what happens around those times. Um, so this buck came out of the bottom to my left at 50 yards. He was chasing 10 does. Holy shit. Um, all the does ran up. Yeah. There was 10 does. I heard them coming. It sounded like horses running through the woods. So they run up They're 50 yards next to me and they're just hanging out, but they kept looking over their shoulder and I knew something was coming. So he shows up, he was a big nine pointer. And the craziest part was there was a monster 10 pointer behind him as well. So there were two big mature bucks that were chasing these does. And, you know, I stood up and it's, you know, I got set at 11. This was at 1135. This happened. So I'm at, you know, full draw and I had him at 44 yards I felt confident in all my gear that I had because I was practicing consistently at 50, even though I would never take a shot. What sight pin are you are you using to to get that confident at at draw at 50 yards? What do you got on your setup? Uh, So at the time, I mean, I just got a bow, brand new bow this year, but we'll get into that. I was shooting the um, Matthews TX5, and for the sight I use, which is the best sight I think, and it's because it's simple is the Trophy Ridge Clutch. It's a single-pin sight. It's fantastic. Um, and then gold-tip kinetic arrows, and obviously you guys know the Afflictor Broadheads. Um, so, yeah, he let, you know, give me a broadside shot at 44, let it fly, quartered away. So, you know, it basically went in his lung, out his back leg, and he died 50 yards. I heard him crash. So he was quartering away? Is that... Is yeah, it- he... He was basically, if he was broadside, a doe was going to his left. So his his butt was turning towards me. So when I let it fling, he accidentally, you know, he was turning really quick, and it basically shot basically right behind his rib and went out. Got it. Dude, that's a, that's a far shot. I would feel like I wouldn't be, it as, was I wouldn't shot, be as confident. Man, I, was, I was shocked, too, but I worked furthest deer for three years and it was the first encounter that i actually had with him at you know a a reasonable yardage so 44 was the max i'd ever go anything over that 
me personally on a whitetail, I wouldn't take the shot. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of room. I'm just happy that. What's that? Uh, I was just going to say there's a lot of room for error there. You know, deer like to move, especially at that distance. So, yeah, you did good. Yeah, that was uh, pretty surreal walking up on him. I couldn't couldn't believe he was, you know, basically laying there. And, yeah, it was definitely a lot of fun. And then the craziest part about the entire hunt was six more bucks ran by. Man. It was me, and it was my – well, the property – the property's 400 acres of private land around here. Um, so I had four other guys on it, and they basically saw a ton of action. It was probably one of the best hunting days I've ever had. And for me, it wasn't about harvesting the buck. It was – obviously, that was a big part of it. But for me, it was having my buddies who we've hunted together, you know, for eight-plus years, having them experience, you know, all the rut action up there because the rut is truly something special for a bow hunter. Yeah, you were right. What, what was the date? Do you remember the date? Uh, I, I actually got to go through my picture really quick. Mine's easy to remember because um, it was off- election day. <laughs> I remember being like, fuck this, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm going to go hunting. I'm done paying attention to this for a minute. I had to check out. Yeah, yeah. Still going through. It should be coming up. But yeah, I mean. That was a memorable day. Okay, so it was November 29th. Yeah, that's like so and you're you're on the East Coast? Yeah, East Coast, Pennsylvania. That was actually so with what I've noticed in PA is like the past 2 years it's been very funky with the rut. Um some hunters say you'll see rut action here early season because you know two little bucks are going at it and obviously cuz they're young they're going to chase early. Um, but in Pennsylvania, the past two years, the rut really hasn't that I've noticed fully kicked off until the last two weeks of November. And this year, it ironically was the last week of November that you were actually seeing mature bucks chase those. You would hear grunts and you would see a ton of lick branches that different individual bucks were going up to. So it was, I guess, you know, we timed it right. Story short, basically. That's cool. Greg, when is our rut typically? Well, I mean, things start kind of going into motion. Yeah, right around Halloween, things start happening. Actually, I believe middle of October, things start, you know, the the lull. There's plenty of nighttime movement and and close-to-bed movement happening around the middle of October. Mm Mm-hmm. But if you're not close to that area or you're not running trail cameras or walking through the woods a lot to see the, the sign being made and, and put two and two together that a lot of the sign being made in an open woods is at night, it's usually middle of October. I mean, I've got historical trail cam data going back eight years now. 15th, I got deer hitting uh-huh. licking branches, hitting scrapes, at least by the 15th. In some cases, as early as the, the 10th or the 12th. So, it's going to vary region to region. Okay. Yeah, you know? no, I was just thinking, like, wow. The end but of the as far as, like, the rut, yeah, it's probably right around, it's usually the first to second week in November, depending on how, you know, there's probably other th- factors into it, moon phase, weather. Temperature. Ruts, rut, it always shows yeah. up around the same few weeks. Yeah. You know, and then you get a second rut mm-hmm. in the beginning of December, you know, right up into the 20th. 
and deer, here. and does will continue to get bred all the way into January. Sure. Tears and beers yep. just commented and said Halloween is hot in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> hot here too. I think you know my my dad he takes like the second week in November off almost I wouldn't say religiously but that's his that's his where he's killed the biggest bucks sure consistently over the the years past and. <clears throat> I don't know. I've seen so much activity in October, like 31st or that Halloween weekend. Mm-hmm. But back in my younger years, I would just be drunk on Halloween, you know, right? doing that kind of stuff, waking up. Chasing over. two-legged does instead. <laughs> Looking like an idiot, probably. Um, no, that's pretty cool, man. A 44-yard shot at the end of November in rut, and you saw a bunch of other bucks the same day. Like, did you have any – this whole feeling of when you get a buck, it feels surreal and unreal like it actually happened. That I experienced that this year. I was like – I was standing over a dead animal, and I was like – <laughs> this isn't really real, is it? Is he actually dead? I feel like he's going to get up and run away, and it's still not over yet. Your buck was awesome, man. I was super psyched for you on that. I'm just happy I got one. Uh, you know, that was it for me. It, it could have been anything. I've been happy, but um, it's good stuff. Yeah, to answer your question, man, I mean, I think for me, like, being that it was one of the biggest that I've had a shot on, you know, that we've worked towards, yeah, you're right. Everything for me slowed down from the point of release. I still played in my head. It was like once that arrow left, I could literally just watch it slow motion because I couldn't believe that I actually hit the spot that I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, obviously you follow the blood trail and you walk up on him and all I saw was his rack laying there on the side and I couldn't believe it. So um ended up calling the old lady and her response was, finally, um, are you getting home anytime soon? <laughs> so that was pretty funny cause I said I said I got a ton of work to do it's going to be a heck of a drag and it was you know early and I had to sit in the tree stand for another I think it was five hours I definitely ate a bunch of snacks and a bunch of angry bird levels by my buddies finished hunting <laughs> that's pretty cool man that's good you stuck it out that way I think my wife said something similar she's like yeah so are you done now then like are you done I was like I can be done for a while now we can take a break from the hunting she was yeah, you yeah. remember Greg. Oh, yeah. You seen that. That's um, good. She just said, are you done? Because I already had a other tax nervous bill, and now to add this. So she was more of like that end, you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, and what came first? Was it the buck or the and bear? The bear came first. And to add everything in, she was, we were like two months out from having our son. So she was, yeah, pretty pregnant. So I had to get home immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to bring some, like, uh, Rocky Road home with you or something like that, some ice cream or whatever your local custard shop is out there. Pickles. Pickles and peanut butter. Oh, yeah, pickles. I could not hide my pickles enough from her. It was hilarious. My wife's super pregnant right now, so we're going to, yeah, it's going to be an interesting season because we're going to have a newborn, which, you know, this will be the third time this has happened around the same time of year. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows how it's going to go. He likes chaos. It's fine. Yeah. That's hilarious. Well, okay, so tax and rebill for the buck. I'm assuming tax and rebill for the bear. I've never hunted bear. My dad's hunted bear in in Canada um, when he was young before I was born. He shot one, never recovered it. Mm -hmm. What was, like, were you hunting bear in PA, or did you go somewhere? Uh, So I was at my teammate Jacob's um, in New York, actually. Um, He's got a sweet property up there. Uh, for black bears. Um, so I always told him I wanted to hunt, hunt black bears. So 
it was my second time ever hunting him at his property and it was a blast because he had bears where his property was they were just flowing through it was like a natural highway for him because like surrounding his house like the closest they have you know camps where families would go up and spend time together um the closest camp was like i think like two miles away so i guess what he was telling me was the bears were coming through his swamp and going towards the camp so they could get in the trash at night um so i got into the tree stand at five o'clock in the morning i couldn't see anything it's the first time i'm hunting bears and the ironic part was we were having a beer at midnight so i didn't get much sleep and his spy point camera goes off and a 600-pound monster is walking by the tree stand I'm about to sit in in five hours. So I was like, oh, this is just lovely. Um, story short, got in the tree stand. Jacob said, good luck. You're on your own. I'm going back to bed. Uh, so <laughs> okay, it gonna... was, yeah, I, how, how, it was awesome, man. Um, but basically I sat in the tree stand, and sunrise around there was at 10 of 7, right when the sun broke and it was legal shooting time. But before that, you know, right when 20 minutes before sunlight comes up, you guys know what I'm talking about. You can somewhat watch everything get lighter. Yep. Um, so I was scan, I was scanning back and forth, back and forth like I normally would. And around like 645, I looked to my left. I'm like, that black thing wasn't there 30 seconds ago. So sunrise comes and there's a black bear 25 yards in front of me. I couldn't believe it. And the coolest part was you don't hear them coming in. It was ridiculously quiet. I had no idea that bear came in. I couldn't hear him. I didn't see him until he got in front of me. So he comes in front of me at 25. I had him at full draw, and I was hunting him with a bow. I shot him 25 yards. He climbed up a tree, made it maybe 15 feet in the tree, and let out that death moan and fell out of the tree and was basically dead. 25 yards in front of me. It was crazy. Was it the 600-pound one that you had seen, or was it a different one? This was a completely different bear. The bear that I shot, was he was 280 pounds. For a first bear, it was great. You know, it was he was big in person for me. Um, But, yeah, no, the 600-pounder, that was – it looked like a dumpster with legs <laughs> is the best way to put it <laughs> on trail camera. Like, I didn't see him in person. But, yeah, the bear was just – Oh no! There was something very special about that hunt because bears are, you know, it's very very tricky sometimes because their nose is twenty times, you know, more sensitive than an actual bloodhound's. So, but yeah, it was just an experience, and I'm actually very glad Jacob, you know, allowed me to come up there, and I'll be back up there this year to hopefully get another one. That's wild, dude. I, I you know, so talking about that that dawn kind of blue light, you know, everything's kind of confusing. You're not sure what you're seeing, and and so forth. Yeah, we didn't consider black bears black, and they're mostly just kind of round. So they, I feel like they would be really hard to see. Like when you said, yeah. oh, their black thing wasn't there before 30 seconds ago, that would really trip up your brain and be like, oh, is that just a shadow from a tree or, you know. Mm-hmm. Were you more nervous yeah, hunting a predator, a predatory animal than like a whitetail? Did it feel or seem different to you hunting a big old bear that could – yeah, it felt different to me because, um, you know, hunting whitetails, you just walk to your stand and you're ready to rock and roll. 
Um, with a black bear, it got real for me when we were in his Polaris and we were driving and I got right to the edge of the woods. And then he's like, are you ready? And then kind of everything slowed down because I was like, I'm walking in. This is their world. This isn't mine. So it was more of your, your senses are at an all time high, basically, because, you know, I've, you know, not a master black bear hunter, but it was just like, you got to respect where they're at because at any time, if he wanted to, they could have climbed that tree and they could have had their way. But it was just, it's a completely different world, and it's just, you know, it was just a blessing to actually get a shot on one. Yeah, the fact that you had two come through in, like, five hours apart like that or whatever, um, man, how many bears are in the area? Oh. It makes you think, like, Jesus, <laughs> they're going through so, that area, they're traversing it frequently. You want to hear the craziest part about this hunt? Which, actually, I haven't told you guys yet. The craziest part about this hunt was, so I got my bear, we quartered him up, um, obviously um, tagged him into the game commission, got, you know, got all that squared away. Um, so Jacob was, one of his buddies shows up, and it was around 1 o'clock, and I'm ready to home, head home back to Pennsylvania. And his buddy gets in the same exact stand that I sat at 2 o'clock. I get a text message when I'm driving home, at five o'clock, he shot a four hundred and seventy pound male that was walking the same path mine did, out oh. of the same stand. That's crazy, dude. They're that's a big animal. That's a lot of freaking meat. And and speaking of meat, uh, deers and beers. <laughs> right over deers and beers just asked, and his name on the screen is like some wonky Dwayne Dwayner Dwayneski. I don't know. He's probably wearing a tin hat over there with this weird name of his, but. <laughs> Ten out. He just he just asked, "What's the meat taste like? Lean, fatty? You know?" And obviously, that's probably a good segue into the fact that you're cooking up a freaking storm over there. You're one of the more creative whitetail or wild game cooks, at least publicly, that I've come across in a while. And we actually were just on the Hunt of Our podcast. Uh, what this week? Was it yeah. That? What, what? When was that? Last Thursday. Last Thursday. Oh. Yeah. So I don't know when that'll get aired, but um, you know, talk about what? Yeah. What are you doing with the meat, dude? Like. With bear meat. I've had it only in form of jerky, and it was, I mean, it's pretty greasy. At least that was, but there's a way of trimming it, I'm sure. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah, so there's a, like Greg said, it is greasy, um, some cuts of it, but there's a way of hiding the greasiness. There's a way of hiding that game flavor. You know, like a lot of people that, you know, you guys will know from experience too, is like sometimes you'll meet people that don't like venison, people that don't like wild game because they had a bad experience with Mm -hmm. that dish. Um, so for black bear, Jacob, before I got one, he goes, the meat's really good. It's just a matter of how you prepare it. Um, so I did a bear roast and then posted on Instagram cause it was the last minute thing. My father came up and, you know, pulled it out of the freezer and prepped it. But I let the roast sit in pineapple juice, garlic and basil, black pepper and salt for 48 hours. And then I just let it sit on the grill. And, you know, you thing with black bear meat is you can't eat it medium well, you know, rare or any of that. You have to eat it at an internal temperature of 185 degrees because bears carry trigonosis worms. Yep. So if you – yeah. So – but the cool part about the black bear was um, – so my buddy was telling me who actually worked with a biologist here in PA about black bears was – you harvest a bear keep it in your freezer for six months before you touch it not three 
The reason for that is because when bears go in the hibernation, it's anywhere between three to four months and the worms obviously live in their meat. But if you put the meat in the freezer for six months, it'll actually somewhat naturally kill the worms. So you technically don't have to worry about it, but you still have to be safe. Wow. That is super fascinating. I, I certainly did not know yeah. that. I would probably do a shit ton of research <laughs> before carving into some bear meat. Cause it's, different and i you'd probably trip on some of this stuff but you know chorizo meat is super greasy would you say bear meat's greasy like chorizo yeah. oh yeah why is it so greasy what is that the fat well, yeah. yeah i mean if, if the only it's thing to compare it to bad. would be pork sure okay you don't eat pork medium rare you don't eat it rare <laughs> That's a good it's got to be done through right yeah well bear meat's like a darker version of pork you can get parasites from it so you got to cook it all the way through. It's greasy because, you know, they're an animal that doesn't run very fast all the time, like a deer would. Um, just the way their body, you know, breaks everything down, it stores it into fats mm-hmm. so they can hibernate. And when they wake up, you know, yep. females can produce milk for the, for the babies because a lot of times they'll have the babies mm-hmm. as they're just getting out of hibernation. Or maybe partially hibernating yet. So, yes, their bodies are designed to store fat that way. So when you get them there, yeah. So what the hell is trees made out of, by the way? Many different kinds of mystery meats. Because <laughs> it's freaking and, good, and but... some good spices. Yeah. So what yeah, do you cook? And what do you cook? other than tricky. other than the roast, like you got, you're doing all sorts of stuff over there. So last weekend. Yeah, last weekend I ground some up, made some black bear sausage. It was an apple honey sausage that I made, so it had chunks of apples and honey in it. Um, and obviously you grind it up with pork fat and put it in casings. Yeah. Um, and then, did, did you get to try it yet? I have not tried it. I think I'm going to break it out this weekend because it's going to be beautiful. Sure. Um, so definitely want to try that. Um, what does your wife think of all your cooking? Does, to- does she like everything you're doing? Because that's, that's the real test right there, right? So, yeah, when we first started dating, she um she was like 20 to 30 minutes outside Philadelphia. So she grew up kind of in, you know, I guess like neighborhoods. Like I grew up in the middle of the woods where my neighbor is my grandmother. And then the closest neighbor is right over the hill, which is a couple hundred yards. And then the rest is all woods. Um, so story short. Her favorite cut of wild game is actually maple glazed venison sausage. So how do you make that? So that sounds that, off the tongue. That sounds my, really good. My butcher actually, my butcher actually makes it. It's part of his menu. Really? Just, I don't know how he how he does it, but it is phenomenal. I mean, anytime I make sausage links for breakfast, I just dump a bunch of syrup in the skillet. I don't know who else does that, but that's what I do, and it tastes great. And they're usually like maple anyways, right? But maple-glazed venison. So is it like maple kind of infused into the meat? Yeah, and- so it's it's venison that's ground up, and it's got maple and spices infused in it. So you just hand-form it in the patties that you want and put it on the skillet, and boom. I mean, it's it's. I don't know how he does it. I want the recipe. He just won't give it to me. Yeah, good luck. Sounds like a freaking McGriddle on steroids. 
Yeah. Sounds better than McGriddles. Yeah, no, there's, I got all the... Yeah, better than McGriddles, man. Yeah, it sounds better than McGriddle, but... <laughs> I feel like if you did it with McGriddle-esque type buns, it would be as like a that burger would be a or something. pancake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Well, I guess. <laughs> Come on, man. Well, sure. Get your shit together. Come on. <laughs> but the griddle, the McGriddle tastes like maple. That's because the pancakes have freaking maple syrup infused in them. Do you make them. pancakes with maple in them? No. See, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. No. Garbage food. I like cinnamon pancakes. That's what I like. My wife doesn't like cinnamon pancakes, so I don't get to have it very often. I also love French toast. What's that What's that line, 40-year-old virgin? Yeah. Some French toast. Oh, boy. It's going be a podcast with a couple rabbit holes. Come on now. I think you said that to someone recently, Greg. You've only interrupted this poor man at least five times. Because we're talking about food and I haven't had dinner yet. I'm like getting all jacked about yeah, food. And, and you're sweating and you got a man man boob mark in your freaking t shirt. Right I know. Well, you're losing cup sizes here, bud. One run I did yesterday is really kicking my ass. <laughs> <laughs> one mile and a half, I'm still sweating oh, one whole day later. It's hot in here. It's hot in here. We don't got a fan because we don't want the audio to go goofed up. Uh, he's stressing. Yeah, we had about 100 tech issues out of the gate per usual. It is what it is. Now it's become excuse hour. You know, when I shot my bucket, it was really hot out, and I remember posting a picture about it. Some guy's like, well, you shouldn't be such an idiot and being all sweaty. I'm like, yeah, but I sweat a lot. You'd have to know me to know that I don't have to do much to sweat. It's fine. We gave him the deuces, sent him on his way. It was all good. Mm-hmm. I, don't, yeah, I don't forget that kind of stuff. Anyway, so you got your bear meat. You got your you got your venison. You're doing fishing. By the way, is the is the mount? What did you get for the mount for the bear? What did you do? Did you get like a, a rug, or are you getting like a like a like a rar? Uh, a rar. Wow, you are a city so slicker. Actually, yeah, that's actually no. He's spot on with it. That's what my son does. Uh, a rar. It was a rar. What's the bear saying? So he does. He's two years old. He knows what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what it's a three quarter mount. A three quarter, okay. That, that's it. If that's the official term, three yeah. quarter mount, aka the RAR. Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, aka. We'll start saying that for now on. Learn something um, every day, guys. Yeah, so it's from his it's from his waist up, and he's going to be coming out of the wall with his paws up and his mouth open, pretty much. So, and uh, maybe my taxidermist said he might throw, you know, that natural feeling with like rocks and stuff around it. But yeah. I kind of just said. Do what you have to do to make it nice, but kind of save me a little bit of money so I don't get in trouble. Oh, you kind of wrote but, him a bit, a bit of a blank you know, check, huh? No, not really. I told him what I needed done, and I told him the price, um, that where I wanted to be at. Um, but I've been going to this guy for like nine years now, and he's done a he's done four of my buck mounts, a couple trout and a couple euro mounts, and he did a pretty cool fox hat that I have. So he kind of hooked me up on the low, honestly, because I do a lot of business with him when it comes to butcher bills. Cool. That's cool. So he's butcher and taxidermist. So we got one of those here in Wisconsin. I think the only one that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. Outdoor addiction uh, here in Wisconsin. Yeah. They do that. This guy's fantastic. I was just at his shop. He has everything there. What's his name, man? Tell people about him. What's, uh, what's he called? Over, we got a lot of listeners out of Pennsylvania for some reason. Yeah, his name's Bill Pasquale. He's uh, in Aston, PA. Um, super nice guy. Um, 
butcher shop is fantastic, clean. You walk in there, it smells like Lysol, basically, and everything's spotless. Um, his taxidermist shop, I ironically was at a job site two days ago that was next to his house, and I saw him outside. I'm like, hey, Bill, do you mind if I come in to see if any of my stuff's done? He's like, come on down. The first animal that he had that he was finishing was a Pennsylvania elk, and I was blown away. I never thought I'd see one in person. Wow. I, how many, do you guys have like a, a strong herd over there for elk or what? Really? It is. It's, it's a once in a lifetime hunt. Mm-hmm. So Bill, ironically, Bill's um, 62. He's been applying for this tag for 21 years and he hasn't got drawn yet. Yeah. Um, our elk herd is, it's big and we have some of the biggest bulls in the, I'd like to say in the entire world. I mean, we have massive bulls here but they only draw a hundred tags a year and only 20 of those tags are for bulls. The rest are for cows. Wow. So you put in a lottery and there's 3 million hunters in Pennsylvania. So, you know, it's going to be extremely, extremely hard to pull that tag. It's pretty cool, man. I didn't, I didn't know that we have an elk herd here, but it's I not, think we're only doing we're 10 spending. tags a year. It just started two years ago. And you know, out of, I don't know how oh, many wow. people. Yeah. So I apply every new. year, and I may never see that tag, but I just keep putting money in towards the, the whole conservation fund of getting them back here. So mm-hmm. That's what I do every year. You buy preference points is basically what I'm at right now. That's pretty cool. Interesting. So you get the, the – I was just going to ask a question. What the hell was I going to ask? It was about the mountains. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. Well, it wasn't a question. It was just like a – so this deer that I got this last year is the first year I've ever gotten mounted. And I didn't realize how many damn oh, questions no way, you have to answer man. about a mount. Like, do you want it, do you want them facing left? Do you want it facing right? Do you want the ears back? Do you want them forward? Do you, like, you want them full seek? I'm like, what? Oh, this is a lot to consider because if I get another deer, like I, I want them on both sides of my fireplace. So I had to put some thought into this. <laughs> like when you go to your taxidermist, you really got to think about some shit that you hadn't thought about. And maybe you have, if this is your, eighth or ninth year with this guy you're you're no spring chicken like i am so uh i mean greg you have your one buck mounted that i know of i got one so for now did you like right you get it you get it there and you're like oh what do you how do you yeah what did you think well i just i just remembered how how he looked when i shot him and that's kind of what i did the same thing with you know the scared? Duck, duck that i mounted no <laughs> the deer was anything but scared um no, and then I had Jeff. I said, you know, this is the way he was facing. This is kind of, kind of how I'm, I'm envisioning this. What do you think? And then he made some suggestions, and we went with it. And it, I thought it turned out good. Yeah. So I was trying to think it ahead. Real I was good. like, if I get more deer, how do I want these at all, like, go together? So at least for the first two, yeah, so I, I want them on both sides of the fireplace. But it's going to be a minute. I need to get two before I can, like, even go on the fireplace because – where the hell did this cat come from? That's the next animal you can mount. Oh, I didn't know he was in here. That's not a technical problem. Oh, I don't know what you call this, a fur problem. Yeah. You want to get made into a hat? He looks like a raccoon. But no, per my wife's request, I mean, the next one will have to be mounted kind of facing that one. So it'll be, uh, be pretty cool. Sorry about that. Yeah, cat cool. problems over here. Well, that totally distracted me. So you got some trout mounted too. <laughs> what kind of trout are you usually chasing out there? Is it brookies or is it browns, rainbows? What do you have? So I've we've got basically 
kind of everything around here depends, you know, what they stock um, here in Pennsylvania. I was actually fishing two days ago. I was at uh, Hibernia State Park, which is uh, local to here, and they basically have this really, really nice hole. It's long. Um, it's got a couple nice pockets where hatches are coming off, and the, the uh, fishing game officers were coming around looking at license, and I asked the guy, and I was like, hey, do you guys have any, you know, big fish held over? He goes, look right in front of you behind that rock. There was a 30-inch, 8-pound brownie in there, and nice. I couldn't believe it. And the officer said, yeah, I put that fish in there. Mm, like crap. So, <clears throat> yeah, it looked like a submarine going through a freshwater stream, but um, to answer Greg's question, I've got um, – biggest one I ever caught was 28 inches, 6.5 pounds of a rainbow trout. Um, and then, ironically, two weeks after that, I had gone to a stream that – wasn't really fish hard that my buddy found, you know, a uh, golden trout slash, you know, people call them palominos. Sure. That was a 23-inch I pulled out. That was five pounds. And then that same – so I caught three good fish that year and probably the prettiest fish out of all of them to me. And it wasn't the longest. He was only 16 inches. I mean, my favorite trout is a brook trout. Mm-hmm. The colors on them are fantastic. I, I got to the way they fight – they fight too. They're like brown trout. Brown trout fight, but there's something about a brook trout that's just, you know, they're just. I think they're the prettiest fish there is. Yeah, when it comes to trout. I would agree. And and as far as like fighting, they they are hard fighters. And I mean, my they do experience. A lot of head shakes, right? Well, they they jump. They they come out of nowhere. Like my experience was a, a, a stream in Montana with them, and nobody knew that there were oh. that many brook trout in there. And so I'm just green to the area. Go down there with. You know, I'm I'm an okayest fisher person. <laughs> a spinning rod and a Panther Martin. I mean, that's like a stick of dynamite to some. So I'll go out there with a yes, gold sir. Panther Martin and start dragging it through. And you don't even see these fish in the bottom. They they hide that good because of their coloration. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, this I don't know. It was only a ten inch ten inch rookie came out of nowhere and just smoked the spinner. You know, stopped it, and all of a sudden it's peel and drag it was running four pound test on that rod and had the drag set kind of light and i'm like i didn't even see that fish you know where the heck did he come from so there's enough underlying you know cuts underneath the bank Mm -hmm. that he could have hit under and came out and smacked that bait Mm -hmm. but it was like one after another real nice eight to ten i think the biggest one i caught out of there was 14 inches oh that's a great book and then i caught a, a brown the last day i was there that was I don't know, it was from my knee bone down past my ankle bone. So it was probably a good oh, wow. 20, 20 inches or better. It was a nice fish. I thought I was snagged in the bottom yeah. when I hooked into that fish. The our, colors were amazing on it. Our buddy uh, Zach Hoheisel with Growing Wild TV, he's... He was just out fly fishing today. Yeah. I chatted with him a little bit. Oh, good. Yeah, he's. I think he's actually said his favorite fish to catch are, are brookies. Yeah. Probably because they're, so, they're just... Fun to catch. They're beautiful. I've done a, beautiful a, a, fish. a small amount of fly fishing. It's all been guided for me. It's usually like a Father's Day thing. I go with my father-in-law, and um, we've caught, we've gone to, like, mm-hmm. you know, easements here in, like, the um, Driftless area in Wisconsin and, you know, done okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I've caught more smallmouth than trout. There's not nothing a fly wrong with rod. that either. Those fish fight hard on a fly rod. It's uh-huh. super fun. That's cool, man. Yeah, well, the then, crazy part about the uh... – the brown trout you know it's funny about that fish that i caught that day um 
we went up to the bridge and me and my buddy Andrew, we overlooked the bank and, you know, we had our glasses on or whatnot. And I looked at him and I said, that's not a trout in there. There was three fish that were sitting there. One of them to me looked like a really big rainbow trout, but it wasn't a rainbow trout. I knew it wasn't. There was something about the body and there was three of them in line. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to try something different. Um, so I actually had a tiny shrimp jig with a, it was a size, it was a size 14 hook on it. So a really small hook in it. Tiny. So I threw it in front of this fish, jigged it and the fish moved his head. And I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm about to get this fish. By the way, he moved. I swapped the hook out to make it a little bit bigger. I threw that in. I hooked onto him. I get it to the bank. My buddy goes, are you kidding me? You just caught a 30 inch walleye out of a stream where this fish shouldn't even be. <laughs> I don't know how the fish got there. It was the first time I ever caught a walleye and it was probably hands down to me. One of the best fish I've ever eaten. Yeah. Walleye are pretty big we deal. We don't, yeah, we don't have them like that in Pennsylvania down here. I mean, most of the fish is big mouth. You got catfish and you've got your trout and obviously you've got your sunnies down here. But for me, it was like a walleye. Really? Why is that here? They make their way into the darndest places. I've caught walleye out of a stream. That's in it, fact the only real time. Sure, like maybe ice fishing once or twice, but out of a stream uh, in Delafield, mm-hmm. walk that stream right there, whatever that is. Yep. And you walk that, and you catch well, most tied of the rock to several of the lakes in the area, That's and you're right. always stocked with walleye. So right. it's a very easy and good possibility. It was fun. I was like, holy shit, it's a walleye! You know, like that's an exciting catch mm-hmm. to me, at least. It's a it's a big deal. I can cut more pike that I can throw a stick at. That's for sure. Tons and tons of pike. We got lots of pike here. Yeah, not so much here. I mean, we've got um, obviously Lake Erie, which is about six hour drive from here. But right, there's walleye, muskies, all that good stuff. Yeah, that's where you're going to probably have your best chance at a monster walleye is Lake Erie. Is that the, one Small of the deepest of the Great Lakes, Lake Erie? Superior is Superior. the deepest. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Yes, it is. You ever catch anything I'm funky out of Michigan? Honest, funky out of Michigan. Other than What's trout, do you catch any, like, muskie or walleye or anything? Um, I, I've heard of people catching muskies right out of McKinley, believe it or not. Uh, one guy did catch one. Um, but as far as, like, funky... Nothing weird other than, you know, the gobies. You catch them. The hell's a goby? It's a it's an invasive species of bait fish. Hmm. That they just get big. Yeah, they get well, they don't get very big. I mean maybe eight to ten inches is a big one. But that's why our browns get to thirty some pounds. They suck on those. They eat those yeah. things and that's why we have you know, every year you turn around we guys are catching more and more five and six pound smallmouths out of Door County and out of Green Bay and even some of the the outlying areas of Lake Michigan, they're catching them because they have those gobies to feed off of and get big. Hmm. So that's that's how we're getting big fish there. But I, I can't think of anything, like, odd that I look at and go, other than a whitefish. Like, we were jigging. Me and my buddies were, were jigging trying to catch browns and buddy hooks into a whitefish. Mm-hmm. And that's then I watched, Yeah. And the whitefish are excellent. I filleted up, and they're they're quite good. They're bony, but they're good eating. Hmm. Absolutely. I know Door County's, uh, I've heard like some charters that do white fish out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, we caught this right out of McKinley, right outside the Gap. Oh. Just jigging a, a, yep. a white, uh, uh, a white Kalen's jerk minnow on a, on a bullet head jig. 
we were hoping for a few other things, but yeah, it, you know, they're, they're good eating mm-hmm. might as well. And I watched a guy catch a lawyer fish right off, right off the bridge. A what? Lawyer fish. Oh, don't know what that is either. Google it. Oh, damn it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll have to look that up. It's a freshwater cod. Okay. Oh, okay. Yep. It's it's our only species of cod that's found in fresh water. Interesting. Yep. They're they're crazy looking. You know, they look almost like a dogfish. People can you look at it at first glance, it looks like a dogfish. It's not. So guys will catch it. Have you ever called them? I've never personally caught one. I just watched a guy catch one right at right, okay. right where the Milwaukee River dumps into the lake. Yeah, it looks like a dogfish. You're right. Yeah, it kind of looks like a dogfish, but they don't have the teeth. They got barbels on the bottom of their chin to feel the bottom, and they yeah. pretty much attack everything just like a dogfish does. But the meat, they got a skin too, like a like a bullhead or a catfish does. So you got to skin them, but the meat is quite good. I would have just that thought it's a good time. Wild. Yeah, just toss it up on the screen here for some people to see. But and that that tastes like a cod. Oh, it, dude, it's good stuff. Weird. God, I'm learning so much tonight, you guys. This is ridiculous. <laughs> all right, I'm you're welcome. Some other weird fish pictures. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and stop sharing that screen. We're getting weird shit. Fish no, fish. nothing nothing weird. I mean, coho browns, lake trout. Kings, uh, I've caught walleye out of Door County, tons of rock bass, perch, bluegills, pike. I mean, big Do you musk. guys have snakehead? We don't have them. You guys have them out by you on the East Coast. We don't have them here. We have dogfish. We have dogfish. Are. Those are native. Okay. Snakeheads are not. Those are brought over from Asia. Mm-hmm. Those are not good. They're good at eating. They're not good for the environment, no. as far as I understand. No, they compete with all the rest of the predators. Yeah. And they're pretty prolific, right? Like they, Very. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I probably watched some documentary on Discovery yeah. Channel about it. They're cool looking, though. And I I think they're they're a pretty aggressive feeder, too. Like, you throw a, a popping frog in front of them like your bass fish in top water, and they'll crash it. They'll, they'll eat it pretty yeah, willingly. Yeah, top water fishing with a rat you know, like a rat set up or like a frog, they will smash that all day long. Mm-hmm. That's fun to catch fish. Our rule here in Pennsylvania, and you know, in our state is if you catch them, you got to kill them right there on the spot. Yep. Yeah, because I don't know. There's there's a stream down the road from here, um, right next to the Philadelphia airport um, that I'll go fishing to. It's John Hines State Park, and there's. People just go down there and they dump their snakeheads that outgrew the tank. They just dump them right in the stream, and they thrive in there because there's, you know, crappie in there. There's bluegills. There's bass. I mean, I saw a snakehead the other, you know, last year when I was fishing off the bank. It must have been two foot long. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Well, they fillet up nice. Yeah. Well, I've hey, never had one, man. Definitely a, a, a meat I want to get. Alex, uh, you know. Let's- I know when we started, I asked, uh, or before we started, I asked if you could share, so we're switching it up, because you already did a memorable hunt last time you were on. If you can share an okayest hunter moment, I think that would be pretty funny. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) The the world X is spinning. (laughs) Honestly, just an okayest hunter moment. I mean, I'm going to start saying that now for when I actually start, you know, messing up in the field. It's the best term for it. 
Um, I was in the tree stand last year. It was the end of the season. So we're in January. It's cold out. I wanted to get one more doe because my father said he wanted a doe. Dad is freezing. I said, Dad, don't worry about it. I'll get you a doe. I'll pay for the butchering. It's all yours. You know, you work hard all day so you can have this. So, all right, cool. So I walk over to the tree stand right behind my house right here, and it overlooks a 30-acre field. And I was by myself filming and all that. So a couple does walk out. It must have been 4 o'clock, so I had about 45 minutes where the sunlight left. Um, they were only, you know, a year, two years old. And then fawns kept coming. Um, the past yearlings walked out. And all of a sudden, right behind me was the doe that I wanted. A mature four-year-old comes out behind me. She walks her way about 30 yards up. Then she turns broadside and walks in front of me at 20 yards. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm about to make my dad so happy. Draw back, had it dialed on her, fired right over her back. My dumbass was practicing at 35 yards that day and never moved my sight down. That's so definitely an okay right center moment. Back. I mean, that was horrible. I was so mad at myself. If you're listening to this and, this ha- and that hasn't happened to you, I'd be shocked. It happens. Yeah, it's, it happens, man. Yeah, it's just bad. That's a pretty common one. I actually get pretty, I, get, I, I wouldn't say terrified, but I'm like, overly conscious of that one because I feel like that's when I'm going to mess up. So at least now that I got my range finder that I scooped up mid-season last year, I'm pretty obsessed about ranging things in and making sure I'm, you know, oh, is this site pin where it's supposed to be? Because I'm freaked out that I'm going to totally biff on that. You know, because when, when once I see a deer, I'm not thinking about that at all. I'm like thinking about a hundred other things. So that's a, that's a, I feel like it's going to be a pretty common one for sure. Yeah, and then, you know, another thing was Ironically, had my snack bag explode in my bag, so I was pretty upset about that. The hell were you eating? That's exploding. I was more upset about that. What's that? What were you eating? That's exploding. Well, it was a bag of trail mix, and it was sitting next to my, you know, I have Havilon knives, and one of them was out a little bit. So when I was walking into the tree, saying it must have rubbed against the knife, I went in to get some. Didn't cut my hand or anything. I reached down. I'm like, oh man, there's trail mix all over the bottom of my bag. <laughs> I did that once. I did. I thought it'd be a good idea to make my own trail mix. I did like you know dehydrated banana slices and chocolate chips. Well, you know oh, on okay. hot days or you get your hand warmer in the right area, even on a cold day, suddenly all the chocolates melt. I was like, damn it! It's just a big freaking chocolatey mess. Gnawing at it like an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so my dad was pretty mad he didn't get back straps, but had some <laughs> in the freezer already, so. Yeah, I got a lot. Made it up for to, if you guys were closer, I'd definitely give you guys some of the black bear meat for sure. Yeah, it'd be fun to try that. Uh, you know, oh, um, I got a few more years to keep applying and, and building preference points, but for a, a good unit, you're probably seven years here in this state. It's wow. Yeah, so I'm four years into it now. I got a few more years to go before I can think of tossing my. My chips into the. Are you gonna get a guide if you go, or what? No, are you gonna do? No, you got somewhere gonna... you're gonna go? Public? Yeah, I have a place by my uncle's place that it's all public. It does get pretty heavily pressured, but there's big bears up there, so start putting the time in, see where it goes. Cool. Well, so maybe yeah, there's some bear maybe. in my future after all. Be a few years yet. I've got two places. Yeah, I got two places we'll talk about that I can take you guys. So we'll figure that out if you guys are willing to do that. 
Yeah, travel might be in our future here. I don't know. We're getting asked to go to a bunch of different places, so we're going to have to start taking people up in these offers. You do before the, they disappear. They figure out who we really are, and they, oh, I don't want to see those guys back we're gonna, here again. We're a bad omen. We're, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll be an unlucky person along any any ex, expedition outdoors. I'll, Man, I I just really wish I could have got you on something. Like, yeah, don't worry. It happens all the time. Every time I come along, we don't see shit. We don't catch <laughs> shit. We don't shoot shit. Whatever. <laughs> I put you right on the fish. That's right. You did. Before the sun came up. I'd love to have you guys out here, honestly, in the future. Cool. We'd have to figure that out. Yeah. Stuff. Well, I think there's a chance we'll be out there, you know, in November. Well, maybe not there. I don't even know the hell we're going. Figure it out when the time gets there. We're going somewhere out east uh, with Spartan Forge in November. So we'll see how that, we'll see where we end up. Well, let me know. I'll cook a three-course meal for you guys. Cool. I would love to have some of your cooking, man. That stuff's good. By the way, hey, before we, uh, you know, drop off here, let people know where they can find you so they can follow yeah, along. Man. And if you're sharing recipes, I think that's a fantastic thing because you have a lot of really creative uh, recipes that you're putting out there on your social channels. It's honestly just um, my Instagram page, which is, you know, Alex Ramondo. It's all one word, um, R-A-M-O-N-D-O. I don't do too much on Facebook. Um, Instagram is kind of where I post most of my stuff. Um, we are doing a YouTube this year. I've got um, two hunts booked this year, and they're going to be – pretty pretty wild episode so it's gonna be a lot of fun meeting up with one of our sponsors and then going to do a dream hunt of mine in late january so um yeah but if anybody has a question about recipes you can you know send me a dm and i'd gladly send you you know anything i got to help you guys out cool rock on man well cool thanks for hanging out with us tonight we're gonna end the live broadcast and my wife popped on to say yep. hi to everybody um Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We appreciate you hanging out. We had a bunch of people watching tonight, so uh, we appreciate that a whole bunch. Thank you. Leave us a freaking review while you're at it. I'll ask nicely. Came on to see you sweat like a child. Do children sweat a lot? <laughs> Look at your kid, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. I remember growing up, my dad, like working on my bike or something like that, and I would not be sweaty at all. And he'd be like... Droplets dripping off his nose. Oh, it's just so hot. I'm like looking up at him like, oh, he's really hot. <laughs> oh, it was all the beer he had before. Oh, that's me. <laughs> I'm just a sweaty, a sweaty guy. Oh, man. Oh, I just want to see your name come up on the screen. Mm-hmm. It's pretty neat. Well, right. on that note. Well, on the live stream, thanks for tuning in. As you all know, we produce the same night we record. So this will be in podcast land this evening.